Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, we weren't intending to do a tennis podcast today, but uh, I woke this morning to a message from Catherine saying, oh my God, Barty. And I didn't know what that meant. So I went and had a very quick look and it said that Ash Barty, age 25, Wimbledon, Australian Open champion and the reigning world number one, had retired. And I actually had to check the calendar to make sure it wasn't April the 1st, and that this was a joke. I genuinely did. But that's how surprised I was at this news. Um, so we've hastily convened Catherine Whitaker, Matt Roberts, and myself, David Law, and Billie Jean, who's back from uh, from her, her other home with Catherine's brother. Catherine, back from Indian Wells. And uh, yeah, this wasn't exactly the news you were expecting to be talking about literally about 12 hours after landing, Catherine. Um, I mean, it's shocking enough as it is. What's it like with eight hours of jet lag? Yeah, I was hoping not to have to be lucid today. Um, (laughs) And uh, this is a bit of a blow in many ways. So so bear with me, folks. Mm, Yeah, it it is a a huge shock and, and... and yet, at the same time, I, I, I don't want to be just too downhearted about it, because frankly, it's not about me. It's not about us. We're going to make it about us, I'm telling you. But, I mean, it's about, ultimately, Ash Barty, who released this news in an interview on her Instagram page that she'd done with Casey Delacqua. And you may remember Casey Delacqua, her longtime doubles partner, a very close friend of hers, somebody who had actually helped her return to the sport after the the previous time that she had out of it when she she was struggling and she decided to to move away from the sport some years ago and she had 18 months away and Casey Delacqua eventually said to her you know come out and just have a hit with me and let's get out there and look what it's led to it's led to years and years of of success and from what we've heard from Ash Barty in her own words today her fulfilling all of her on-court dreams and this appears to have really taken hold 
when she won Wimbledon last year, she said that that was such a dream come true that she it changed her perspective. She said she just had a gut feeling and spoke a lot to her team about it, but just felt, I'll give it the Australian Open because I feel like I, that's one achievement that I've still yet to tick off that I really, really need to tick off. Um, and so she did that. And she won the Australian Open pretty straightforwardly, as we we were able to tell you all about during our Australian Open daily shows. But it does appear that it was pretty final immediately. She didn't play Indian Wells and Miami, as we know. She pulled out of those events. She said her body wasn't ready for it. And actually, she referenced her body and in in this interview as as somebody who knows what it takes to be at the top now and just doesn't have anything left in the tank. And that's a, a startling thing to hear from somebody of who's aged 25 and who just seems such an incredible physical specimen, such a, a wonderful tennis player. She makes the game look easy, but this was the end for her. And yeah, I, I was Im- immensely surprised. I, I, I've heard one or two over the years, Bjorn Borg moving away from the sport at the age of 26 when he was still at the top. But this is very different, Catherine. Don't you think this is a this is a player who doesn't outwardly have appeared to have gone through a terrible recent experience or, or been worn down by it that we could see? But, well, she's telling us something different. What, what was your immediate reaction to this news? Well, all I can think about is the fact that she played and won the Australian Open with this in her mind. Okay, it's, it sounds like from what she said in that interview with Casey Delacqua uh, that she hadn't, you know, confirmed or crystallised the decision. But she also made it very clear that it it first occurred to her and occurred to her pretty strongly after Wimbledon, um, and she resolved to have a, a crack at the Australian Open. But I can't stop thinking about the fact that she won the Australian Open on home soil with this looming over her and the additional pressure of this potentially being her only shot at it and her only reason for still holding a tennis racket. Um, What a woman to have done that and to, to to have set that narrow a goal for herself I'm going to have one crack at winning the Australian Open and then I'll I'll probably retire and she just went out and did it um, I also can't think about the sliding doors scenario of what if she hadn't lost the Australian Open because okay she was the favourite but I don't think it was Ash Barty over the field I don't think it was you know odds on that she was going to do that it feels like it now given how comprehensively she did win it and how much better she was than everyone else but what world would we be in if she hadn't won that Australian Open? We'll obviously never know, but that's how my um, uh, slightly sadistic mind works. I've, I find myself asking questions to which there will never be any answer. Um, I also am struck by um, just, you know, she... It, the line that, that that Matt pointed out in his his tweet about this, you know, I've there's no right way, there's ro- no wrong way, there's only my way, and you know we've we've had Naomi Osaka recently doing things her way, um, and I find that really interesting. You know, when when men do things their way, they're mavericks and they're mold breakers and they're 
you know, blue sky thinkers and they're brave. And when women, women do things their own way, they're quite often weak or can't hack it or, or anything like that. Now, I, I haven't actually read any commentary along those lines about Ash Barty, um, which I'm very relieved about. I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure it'll exist at some stage in the way that it, it has about Naomi Osaka. But I think it's just a tremendous show of strength from her to do this. I'm I'm pretty bowled over by it, actually. It is... And I also think, David, just to, to pick up on something else you said, I think it's okay for it to be a bit about us, for for tennis fans to be really sad about this. It's entirely possible to be really happy and supportive of her and really sad for tennis um, because it's a huge loss, not just because she as an individual um, is a great sports person, a great athlete, a great role model, all of that, but just to lose the world's best tennis player, the person against whom, as we were saying just three days ago, everybody is measuring themselves. She's the test. She's the yardstick in women's tennis and that's that's gone and I can imagine that leaving you know a few other players at the top a little listless for a while um th- this isn't the way Iga Svantec wants to become the best player in the world no way is this what she wants and and I can imagine you know given what a what a deep thinking person she is I imagine she'll really really think about that um and it'll have a bit of an impact on her um, so it, it's just going to have very deep repercussions in the sport for a little while, I think. And that's those aren't repercussions that I really want or celebrate. You know, there are rivalries that we'll that we'll just never have now. Um, and you know, I'm 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 mourning the loss of something that that we've never had. But I'm also so impressed by her and so pleased by her. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm bowled over by her actually making this decision um, because the the life of a professional sports person isn't for everybody. You know, she loves tennis and she loves achieving things in the sport, but I don't think she loves the lifestyle that goes with it. And I think, I think that's okay. You know, it's okay to love something, but not love all aspects of it. And she has the, the privilege now because of her success to, take the bits of it that work for her and enjoy those forevermore and ditch the bits that don't and wouldn't we all do that in in her position if we had the luxury to do so so more power to her so a feeling of bittersweetness really Matt is that how you feel yeah I think this idea of conflicting emotions is is how I feel um and that was kind of my reaction to the news itself like you said, David, very, very shocking to wake up to. Very stunning. You know, this is a this is a dominant player in her prime, and we just haven't seen a player step away in their prime for so long. Um, as you said, reigning Australian Open, reigning Wimbledon champion. She's also just you know won twenty five of her last twenty seven matches. She hasn't lost this year. She won the Australian Open without losing a set. For that all suddenly to be gone and to be missing from the sport does leave a big hole for sure and I think you know yeah there are rivalries that we were talking about a couple of days ago that we were excited about which we won't see unfold now Um, and I'll miss watching her game you know I loved watching Ash Barty play tennis so I feel sort of um, sad in a sort of selfish way that we're not gonna get to see all of that 
then on the other hand, you know, it maybe wasn't that surprising when you reflect on Barty's career as a whole and the signals she's given and the way she's lived her career. Um, I never thought she would be one of these players who played well into her 30s. You know, I didn't think she would retire now. But the fact she has, I suppose, isn't as surprising as if this was someone else because of what she's told us. Um, and I do end up feeling feeling happy for her. You know, as she said in, in that video with Delacqua, she stepped away from tennis before. This is very different. This is much clearer in her mind, much more decisive, I think, and ultimately for a much happier reason because she feels fulfilled now. Um so, yeah, lots of conflicting emotions. And I think the reason I picked out that quote about, you know, her saying doing it my way, I just think she's changed my perspective a bit on what being a top tennis player looks like. You know, if you're if you're my age, you've lived in an era where records and achievements have been at the forefront of conversation. You know, we've been obsessed with the goat race, haven't we? And look at Serena's quotes and look at Djokovic's quotes. Um, Everything's been about finding the next accomplishment, being motivated by your place in history. Um, You know, why win something once when you can win it seven times, eight times, 13 times in Nadal's case at Roland Garros? And all of that is extraordinary. And I love all of that. And that's been the sort of paradigm in tennis for the last few years. But... Barty has always been different and I think it took me a little while to understand that but I hope I do now I hope I get Ash Barty a bit more now over the last couple of years and look of course she had goals like those champions I've mentioned she said Wimbledon was my dream she's put it out there she went out she did it of course she had the sort of qualities that they had in terms of a really ruthless drive to work hard and dedicate herself. You don't get that good. You don't get to the top without having all that. But then she did also have this other way of doing things. And I think the way I would sum it up is she made decisions which allowed her tennis to flourish, but weren't made chiefly with her tennis results in mind. You know, she... She took breaks. She stepped away from the sport. She didn't play in 2020 when it was really tough to play. And she knew what she was sacrificing there, you know, short term in terms of the tennis. But she also knew what she was prioritizing, you know, her health, her personal happiness, the people in her life, the places she wanted to be. Uh, not caring about what other people think. And I respect, you know, the hell out of that. Quite a lesson in there, isn't there? Not for everybody. As you say, there are people that can do it a different way, but there are probably some people that missed out or miss out in life because they don't remove themselves when it's when it's really difficult. Yeah, that's it. You know, she she balanced what it takes to get to the top, which should never be underestimated, with also having as you said, the self-awareness, the self-assuredness, the courage to let it go when she doesn't need it anymore, to not be defined by it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of strength and courage in carving out a different path from those around you, I think. And that's what she's always done. That's what she's doing here. And it's kind of the, it's kind of the quintessential Barty move in a way, I think, this. Mm. Yeah, we're, we're doing whole podcasts on this subject and people are writing thousands of words and uh, everybody's doing interviews and yet I felt that 10 words in a tweet from Andy Murray summed this up probably better than anybody I've heard so far which was 
happy for Ash Barty, gutted for tennis, what a player. And that really does sum it up perfectly, doesn't it? I mean, he was one of many. Uh, Simona Halep, Kirsten Flipkins, Darius Saville, uh, Shelby Rogers, who was the last person to beat Ash Barty at a Grand Slam tournament, said, uh, this is an Ash Barty appreciation post. The most genuine, kind, gracious and inspirational person to be around. Thank you for growing our sport and representing us in such a classy way. So happy for you. I wish you the best of luck. Very excited the next time we meet will be off the court. <laughs> because uh, I think many players have suffered at the hands of Ash Barty over the years. Uh, Martin Navratilova said, Dear Ash, you are leaving the, the tennis you are leaving tennis and the sports world quite speechless and full of praise at the same time. Enjoy this chapter of your life after tennis. We will miss you, your smile and your beautiful game. Be happy, champ. The Hall of Fame is waiting. Angelique Kerber, Tracy Austin, uh, Petra Kvitova. It was just incredible to see this outpouring of emotion from from opponents, Catherine. People that have taken beatings at the hands of, of Ash Barty and yet not a bad word spoken, not, and, and hardly anybody missing. This is somebody that everybody had something to say about. People whose chances of winning things just went up considerably. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, somebody that it's impossible to feel any ill will towards by the sounds of things. Um, yeah, and that, you know, that tallies with the Ash Barty that, that, that we see as well, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, Craig Tizer was right, wasn't he? She she won't ever win the US Open with those balls. <laughs> no, very very good point. I mean, it's we'll we'll get onto the subject of whether this is for good in a minute. But assuming it is, Catherine, how how will you think of her in years to come? Do you think when you when somebody mentions the the name Ash Barty to you, what will you miss? Just an absolute rock star. She's retired as the reigning Wimbledon and Australian Open champion. It's unbelievable. Her last match was winning the Australian Open on home turf, having the trophy presented to her by her idol, Yvonne Goulagong. And on a very selfish note, I'll remember the fact that I was there for that. Mm. It felt like a piece of tennis history at the time, but now it feels like an even bigger one. Um, that's that's pretty epic to retire in that way. Um, it's it's sad in lots of ways we've also touched upon, but how amazing to be able to say I've achieved all my dreams and I'm going to turn my attention to new ones now. Just what a rock star. Mm, yeah. And getting to choose when you retire is is what all athletes want, I think. And it's quite mm -hmm. rare. You know, so often it is injury. So... You know, it feels like a sad moment, but actually I think for her, you know, it is a happy one. She, she did everything she wanted to do in this sport. And, you know, I hope now she's, well, it's kind of the middle of the night in Australia, but, you know, I hope she's chugging a beer or uh, what was it Gulagong said to her, go wet a line when she had her break. You know, she's going to do all those things. And I bet she'll be, you know, showing people up on the golf course or on the cricket pitch as well in in her spare time still. And, you know, I'm just I'm kind of excited for, for her uh, because, you know, really in that video, she does seem extremely, extremely content. And that is what you want at the end of a career. I think, you know, as, as hard as it was for her to come to this decision, I think tennis in Ash Barty's life is not the biggest loss here. You know, it's Ash Barty on tennis 
which is the bigger loss. Um, and that's probably the way around it should be. Mm. But is it over? That's not a question we can ever know for sure at this stage. Um, but there are many, many situations that we've seen in the past. Justine Ennan is the, the other player that retired on the WTA Tour as the world number one in 2008, and she came back in 2010 for one year. Kim Kleisters has retired a couple of times and come back. Lindsay Davenport retired, came back. I mentioned Bjorn Borg. He made a, a number of comebacks. Pam Shriver tweeted today, since I never trust a tennis retirement, does anyone think that Ash Barty will be back? And what year? And she applauds Ash Barty in, in brackets. But she says, Australian Open 2024 is my guess. <laughs> Whose second or third comeback from retirement did you enjoy the most, she asks. And she names Martina Navratilova, Billie Jean King, of course, and Martina Hingis. You may remember she left the sport when she was very highly ranked and then came back and and played again. I mean, to stop at 25, Catherine, when unless there's an injury that we don't know about, she has talked about how hard she's she's taken this physically and what's required and she doesn't have it anymore but it's it's hard for me to believe that if she was happy to carry on she could carry on for many many more years I would have thought unless there's something I don't know I I have to say that that's that's young to retire and there's a lot of life left in that career if she gets the itch again I mean and that's her her choice but what do you think What's your gut feeling? Oh, I mean, to say it's young is, you know, just an extraordinary understatement, isn't it? I mean, there are there are forty year olds that <laughs> that haven't retired. She's a she's a whole career younger than them. Mm. Um, I think she. I don't think, judging by that video, and I know there's, I know there's a big part of Ash Barty that she keeps from us and is entirely private and is unknowable, and I respect that. So. I could be wrong here, um, but from that video, it seems to me like it's not in her mind at all that she might come back. I think in her mind right now, it's permanent. Um, but I've but I've been twenty five, uh, and okay, she's an extremely mature twenty five. But you know, twenty five is still twenty five, and things that seem permanent, a lot of things seem permanent when you're twenty five, and I think permanency takes on a different meaning in your late. 20s and, and early 30s so while I don't think it is in Ash Barty's mind at all of course it's possible minds change life changes things change and she has got the type of game and the type of raw talent that I think will make it possible should she wish to come back um, it just depends on where life life takes her I certainly wouldn't want to I think her circumstances are very different to every single person you've listed there that that's come out of retirement mm. um i think there's a contentedness about her retirement that i've that i've never really heard before um but of course it's possible yeah. of course it's possible things that seem forever at 25 very often aren't mm. i agree about the contentedness um and i would say one of the things that intrigues me is how curious she has been over the last 18 24 months about how her game matches up against loads of other players and she's spoken so interestingly about the challenges of playing against some of these other top women and figuring them out and and I 
I love that about watching Ash Barty. That's the thing probably I'm going to miss the most is seeing these these many different types of players with huge weapons of their own getting diffused by the game of Ash Barty and her working them out and figuring out a way to beat them. And I, I, I just can't get enough of it. And I'm going to, I feel really gutted that, that that's going to stop now. And it's, I, I wish her all the best in the world. I really do. And I'm happy for her if she's happy, but I'm personally gutted about that. And I just wonder whether that, is something that will just bubble away in her in years to come and make her want to have another go at putting what she's got up against what they've got. Um, but, you know, we'll see. It's it's all up to her. The, the one note I'd like to end on, just talking about Ash Barty, Matt, is you mentioned the goat race earlier. And w- with the goat race, we always talk about Serena Williams because she's got you know more than 20 Grand Slam titles. We talk about... Steffi Graf, 22. We talk about, in the men's game, Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic, because they've got more than 20. And yet, occasionally, you'll come across somebody who'll say, well, what about Rod Laver? You know, they, he didn't play in this era, so he wasn't able to win as many. And, and he, he won, what, 10 or 11? And, and Bjorn Borg, and you, you hear these sort of conversations. Now, she's only won three. But is the... Is there an argument that she could be part of that conversation in a way because of, of her being of, of being the age she is and being so different? Do, do you will you think of her? Do you think in years to come? Yes. To to quote, sorry to do this, but to quote some what Billie Jean King said to me at breakfast yesterday: <laughs> the tennis needs more asterisks. Absolutely. Oh wow! You, you know those those Grand Slam stats need to come with a lot more asterisks than they do. Um, and um, I've had a, a telling off, a deserved telling off about our focus on the majors. Um, <laughs> so maybe it should be... Um, you could have a separate metric, couldn't you? Slams one per... Um, slams one per number of slams... Average number of slams played per... Sat- slams no number of slams played per slams one goals per game type thing (laughs) but that still doesn't solve the too much focus on the slams aspect um which billy jean if you're listening hope you are i'm working on we're all working on (laughs) um but yes i'm very up for there being an ash barty asterisk along with all the other asterisks that we ought to be including more in the sport. Matt, what do you think? I think I will, you know, remember that when her, I don't know if this is going to sound really cheesy, but, you know, kind of when her star was burning or whatever, it was burning really brightly. You know, I'll remember the last couple of years for how good Ash Barty was at her best. And I will think, you know, trying to line up players at their best that I've seen, I'm sure Ash Barty will come into the conversation for those reasons you've said, David, in terms of the way her game disrupted people. You know, I remember Jessica Pagula saying it at the Australian Open, Ash Barty's in everyone's head. You know, people didn't know how to beat her and they took to the court against her and couldn't deliver their best because she she had a game that they didn't experience from other people and she had a game which kind of took everyone apart when she was at her best. I'll absolutely remember that. 
um, I think inevitably conversations around all-time greatness does fall back on numbers and achievements. And yeah, we we probably do need more nuanced ways to sort of separate players and think about players. Uh, so maybe maybe Barty will be will be a help in in that respect because she won't have the numbers, but will will have the image of her playing and how good she was at her best. Mm. Well, it's it's huge news, and uh, well, we wish her all the best. And uh, and yeah, I, I I'd be fascinated to see if she she decides to take up another sport as well. That's another thing I'm fascinated by because I just think she's clearly so talented. She could do so much. But um, anyway, it's been a it's been a treat to watch her, particularly the last couple of years. Um, there's no there's not been anybody quite like her. And uh, yeah, I, I just. Uh, who do you think is going to benefit from this most in terms of picking up the baton now? Do you think there's somebody that wasn't going to get through or maybe accumulate big numbers that might now because she's the the nightmare of all nightmares as an opponent? Oof. I find it hard to think of one individual. Um, yeah, I wasn't thinking of it in those terms. I mean, everybody's, as I said earlier, everybody's chances and every tournament just went up a bit um but i don't think she was she was everybody's boogeyman wasn't she um she wasn't any particular player's nemesis wasn't she like was remove a, nadal and federer wins another six yeah exactly it doesn't it doesn't feel like that she was just she had become the bar yeah and i think you know it's it's just difficult to contemplate not her not being on the tour again this year, not seeing her play again this year, I don't think we'll know the true impact of of her retirement until the next few months and maybe even years have played out, whether mm. someone takes her place as the dominant number one or whether, you know, no one's going to win two slams out of three like she's done going forward. Um, but what I would say is that players look to the number one as a standard setter. They look at what they're doing and they look at look at the number one as an example, really, and someone who raised the bar. You know, you've got to get that good. It pushes everyone else up. Barty being so good has forced everyone else to get better. I mean, Iga Sviontek, I'm sure a lot of her improvement is down to her own self-motivation and whatever. But I'm also pretty certain she's been looking at Ash Barty and thinking, I I need to get to that level if I want to be winning the biggest titles. Um so it's it's a loss for the tour in that respect to lose your best best player, um, but I'm I'm sure you know there are so many other good players they will find ways to keep pushing themselves. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a little shocking for a while I think not to have Barty around, especially as we go into kind of major season you know in in a few months time where we've got the French Open where she's won and Wimbledon where she's the defending champion. Not to have her there is is gonna be an immense loss. Mm. Yeah, um, she's she's felt in the last eighteen months like a, a mid two thousands Roger Federer to me in terms of her ability over the field, and uh, and I agree uh, it, it's it has dragged up the level, um, and uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating, absolutely for sure. Maybe uh, maybe Simona Halep will finally get the chance to play first on centre court as Ooh, that's defending a champion. As she should have done, she should have got to in 2020. But there was a pandemic, and there was talk of it happening in 2021 because mm. there was no defending champion. But in the end, they chose world number one Ash Barty, didn't they? 
Um, but I, I always, I have a sort of slight residual sadness for Simona Halep that she That's never. That's a lovely idea. She never had that honour. Mm. I, I could imagine that Wimbledon and the sort of people that might think along those lines. So, uh, uh, I very much hope they do. So, good luck, Ash Barty. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Another story that we're just going to briefly touch on, I was going to leave it until Monday uh, if we hadn't needed to have this show, and that was the injury to Rafael Nadal that we learned about 24 hours after his final in Indian Wells when he was beaten by Taylor Fritz, and we, we didn't have enough time to get it into Monday's show. But it's it's a nasty injury. It's a stress fracture of his left rib and has meant that he's he's going to miss several weeks. And... We expect that to include most likely Monte Carlo and Barcelona, which have been two mainstays of his French Open preparation time in in the years gone by, dating all the way back to 2005 when he first won Roland Garros. And actually, I, I got Matt to, uh, to to run the numbers on this and look at the years when he didn't have exactly the same uh, preparation events. You, and, you've made Matt literally sound like a machine there. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, he's he's an amazing just machine. Inputted some numbers into him and pressed a button. Yeah, and and you should see what I got out of it. It's awesome. Uh, in two thousand and five. Um, he withdrew from Hamburg with a hand injury, but he still entered Roland Garros with, with four, four warm-up tournaments because he played Valencia as well and he won Roland Garros. 2006, he, he withdrew from Hamburg due to fatigue straight after Rome, but he was unbeaten in Monte Carlo, uh, Barcelona and Rome, and he won Roland Garros. The other two years that he didn't play his usual um, Monte Carlo, Barcelona, Rome lead-up events uh, were 2010 when he re- withdrew from Barcelona with fatigue but then he went unbeaten in all the others and he won Roland Garros without dropping a set and then in 2020 I mean this is amazing isn't it when I see it written down 10 years later <laughs> he then um, ended up playing just one warm-up tournament uh, ahead of Roland Garros because of Covid and um, and he lost in the quarterfinals to Diego Schwartzman but he still won Roland Garros without dropping a set. Um, and then if you if you look at the years that he didn't actually win Roland Garros, because I was curious to see whether whether there was any correlation to to not having a, a certain kind of lead up or, or whatever it might be, there were four years. And uh, in 2009, when he lost to Soderling at uh, Roland Garros, the only loss he had in the lead up was in Madrid to Federer and the, the faster conditions there. Um, 2015 was the one where he really was struggling. I remember he, he couldn't he couldn't get anything right. He lost in all the lead up events, and he lost um, at uh, Roland Garros as well. That was the one where he lost to Djokovic in the quarterfinals. Um, and then in 2016 he was injured at Roland Garros, um, but he'd won Monte Carlo and Barcelona along the way. Uh, but he had had losses at the others. Um, and then last year he uh, he won Barcelona and Rome, lost to Zverev in Madrid, and, and as we know, he lost to Djokovic at Roland Garros. Um, wh- what are your feelings, Matt, based on all your research, what you've heard, the type of injury? I mean, you know, rib injury, that, that concerns me, I have to say, with his type of game and the amount of rotation he has on that stroke and the fact that he was having to adapt the forehand, wasn't he? Uh, Catherine told us um, in Indian Wells during that final. Is, you, you, is your glass half empty for Nadal and Roland Garros at the moment or, or half full? It's half full because it's Rafael Nadal at Roland Garros and he does have time. You know, I'm, I, I don't know how sort of relevant past experiences are to this because the, cause the scenario is different. But 2020 Roland Garros gives me confidence for Nadal I would say that that was kind of the hardest Roland Garros he's ever had I think preparation wise and in terms of just the conditions of the event being played in September October didn't suit him so well I would say it took him until the final to play his best tennis it took him a lot of matches to get it right but he did find his best tennis and he he won the tournament without playing his um his best for much of it he didn't lose a set that's kind of the event where I think okay if Nadal is fit he wins Roland Garros. But there are, there are big concerns about the fitness. I think, you know, I found it so fascinating that he ended up playing the final with what was a serious injury. You know, he did that in the semi final. He played a full match and probably a set with a stress fracture to his rib. And that is just, in a way, it's sort of classic Nadal. It's, you know, he wouldn't be the player he is if he didn't constantly push himself to the limit and constantly kind of defy 
what his body is telling him and what other players, you know, other players would have pulled out of that final, but not Nadal. Um, you just wonder what the long-term effects are. So I am worried about that. I'm also worried about the foot. If he can't compete or play or practice for the next few weeks, because he said before that uh, not playing and not practicing and inactivity has been bad for his foot. So I think that's a definite concern over the next few weeks. And he sounded pretty downbeat in his well, his tweets statement about it. You know, he said he was he was downbeat. He was sad. He was not expecting this. He was not planning for this. He's had such a good start to the year. He was looking forward to the clay. This is a real, real setback. Um, but as I said, because it's Nadal at Roland Garros, because we do still have a couple of months before that tournament starts, I think he can be okay. But it does depend on on recovery for sure. Hmm. Are you? Uh, how do I put this, David? What was your uh, level of Alcaraz excitement? Well, given I said he's <laughs> going to win the tournament already. Nadal or no Nadal, makes no difference. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, look, and, I mean, it it's it makes it interesting, but uh, but I don't want Rafael Nadal to be a, a, a crocked force at Roland Garros. I want him to be fully fit, mm. and uh, and I I worry for him with this with this particular type of injury. I think this is a concern. Catherine, what do you think? I'm overall pretty glass half full about it. I mean, stress fractures, look, I've not had a rib stress fracture. I've had a hip stress fracture and a uh, a shin stress fracture, in fact, twice. I've had a few stress fractures, folks. Um, and they're very, it's not easy to heal, but it's very simple to heal. Um, and it's just full rest. Full rest and they they heal easily. It's annoying, extremely annoying. You know, with my hip, it was absolutely no weight bearing for six weeks and I lost my mind um but it was a very you know like, remember in Australia how we described with his foot how emotionally he found it very difficult because there was no sort of this is your problem here's your solution you go through this tunnel and you come out the other end well at least with the stress fracture assuming there's nothing else underlying going on there is you know that tunnel and another end um my concern with the tunnel is as you've said, Matt, the foot injury, we know it's an injury that worsens with inactivity. Um, is there a way that he can rest his upper half and sort of isolate his lower body to keep his foot active? I realise I'm asking questions that nobody here can answer, but these are, you know, the things crossing my mind. Look, seeing what he did in Australia um, three and a bit months after he was on crutches from almost a standing start. Okay, he had one warm-up tournament, but he won that from a, an actual standing start. Um, and that wasn't clay. I still put him as favourite in it for the French Open. Um, and I think so long as he can play Rome and be in decent shape by Rome, I think that's enough. It's a shame for him the sequencing of events because I think if he could choose one to skip, it would be Madrid because I don't think that he doesn't like the conditions there. And I also don't think in terms of their similarity to Roland Garros, they do him all that many favours in terms of preparation. Um, but, you know, it is where it is. Um, I think ideally Monte Carlo and, and Rome are his the key pillars of his French Open preparation. But so long as he can be in OK, okay shape for Rome, I, I still put him as favourite. Um, but there are question marks there for sure. Yeah, 
Uh, I understand Taylor Fritz is playing Miami. And uh, he, he, there's no stopping that bloke. Um, I had a quick word with uh, Paul Anakin actually, and he said he just he would play every week if he if it was up to him. He just loves playing. And uh, oh, I love that. You know, I mean, I, I I looked up to see whether he typically plays Monte Carlo because I I'm always fascinated and mindful of what Brad Gilbert says about how American players just don't play Monte Carlo anymore and it really winds him up because he thinks it does them no favours and the last two times they've held Monte Carlo Fritz has been there you know he he, he will and he's intending to play that event again this year and he, he would come over then go back again and then come over for the rest of it um, really Fritz and uh, Tommy Paul they quite like the clay don't they mm, yeah, so no, good for them that's right that's right so Hopefully we have uh, happier news on the injury front for Rafa Nadal and, and many other players. But uh, today the show was all about Ash Barty, really, wasn't it? And uh, she's a player that, if she doesn't pick up a racket again, has given us the richest of memories. And uh, thank goodness for YouTube, so we can go and get a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a fill of it anytime we fancy uh, from years gone by. But uh, wish her all the very best for the future. So. We'll be back on Monday. Uh, we will just remind you that our mascot for this week is Shadow Wado, the 11-year-old Labrador retriever owned by Dan and Andrea. Why is Catherine laughing? You can't not. I mean, do Dan and Andrea laugh every time they say Shadow Wado? I hope so. <laughs> I hope it brings name. a smile to their faces every time. Marvellous. Maybe I could be David Wavid. <laughs> no, right. Reminds me of Scouse or Mouse or... Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing here on the tennis podcast. Or Shawaddy Waddy. Weren't they a band? <laughs> they That's were. what it makes me think of. Yeah. Not really all rearer, Catherine, but you know. No, but uh, I'm aware of them. Okay, we're, I'm aware of the work. Uh, Darwin is my mascot. Carter's Catherine's. Gerald the Cat is Matt's. Uh, Billie Jean King sponsors Billie Jean the Dog, who's very happily back at Tennis Podcast Towers with Catherine. But in ball skills news, while she was away, she's learnt how to play cricket. For real, folks. For real. I've seen, We've the videos. seen videos. Yeah. yeah. She knows the instruction bowler's end. <laughs> yeah. She has Carlos Alcaraz speed, I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> and she's also sponsored by Alana Class, who had her birthday yesterday. So happy birthday for yesterday, Alana. Uh, Chris Albert Lee and Carl Weingartner are our executive producers and very much top blokes. And Matt, we have shout outs. We do. We have Susan Officer, who is from Sydney, Australia. Oh, well, very fitting. Susan, thank you for your support and thank you for being a shout out and a friend on a day when we need a bit of Aussies pulling together with us all so that we can cope. Mm. Yes. Hello, Susan. Great name. Thank you very much for your support. We also have Anne Fitzpatrick O'Rourke from Dublin. And Anne says, I treated myself to this subscription as a wedding present to myself. So this is my first time using my new name. Oh, oh that's so amazing. I love that. <laughs> that's so touching, Anna. Thank you I so much. I hope your husband has also taken whether either Fitzpatrick or O'Rourke, whatever yours is. Answers on a postcard. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, carry on, Matt. And finally, we have... Jafia Binders, who is from Hungary, but currently living Ooh. in Munich. And Jafia 
may well be doing the dishes at the moment because she says, I really hate doing the dishes. I always end up doing them super late and I generally listen to the tennis podcast while I do them. Aww. Thank you for making the time pass faster. I'm glad oh. you had an explanation for why she might be doing the dishes because I worry that it was just she's always doing the dishes, which is <laughs> she's no way to live your life. But um, I've been to Hungary, Budapest, one of my favourite European cities. Lovely stuff. Hungary via Munich. I just love it. I love how international our audience is. I love hearing about where you're all from and what you're all doing and when you're listening. So thanks so much for letting us know. And thank you for being friends of the Tennis Podcast, those of you that are, because you're the people that help us do all this, produce it year round, produce all the weekly shows and these emergency shows like this one and the dailies at the Grand Slams. We're already planning our next uh, two Grand Slam tournaments and we want to do as much as we possibly can. We've also got lots of new, exciting shows, hopefully exciting shows anyway, for Friends of the Tennis Podcast. There's loads of them already up there as well. If you want to be able to become a friend, if you're not yet, uh, there's about seven shows already waiting for you that aren't available anywhere else. Um, yeah, so thanks so much for, for all of you for your support. We will be back on Monday. See you then. 